The audio guide to the galaxy is recorded in the SciTech Planetarium on Wajak Noongar land. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Audio Guide to the Galaxy, the podcast where we take you through a guided tour of the night sky, as well as covering all of the astronomy news that's happening this month in January. Before heading outside, make sure you've got this episode downloaded with some headphones and some bug spray to keep the insects away and a jumper if it's cold. All set, let's get started. Today I have with me Amanda, one of SciTech's very talented and knowledgeable planetarium presenters. Hi Amanda, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me on, Leon. So Amanda, can you please tell me, as a, uh, a general observer casually looking at the sky, what sort of planets can I expect to see in the night sky this month in January? Oh, it is actually a pretty good month for planet spotting. Uh, I find the best time to go out is around sunset. That first helps you figure out which direction you're facing, so you'll know you're facing west when you watch the sunset. And then up just quite low in the western sky, you should be able to see Saturn and Venus. And if you wait a little bit to the 23rd of January and head on out, you'll see Saturn and Venus right near the western horizon, followed by the new moon just above them, and then up above that will be Jupiter. Okay, so Saturn and Venus in the west, that's all month, is that right? All month. And on the 23rd of January is when the moon will join them as well. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and I can follow that up and see in the northwest, is that Jupiter, did you say? Yes, it is. Excellent. And of Saturn and Venus in the western sky at sunset, which one will be brighter? Yeah, so Venus will be a lot brighter. Even though Saturn is much larger, Venus is far closer to us, so it often appears incredibly bright in our sky. Ah, okay, so Venus will be the bright one. And I have to be out early, is that right, if I want to see Venus and Saturn? Yes, depending on your definition of early, it will be around sunset. That's when you'll be able to spot them. Okay. Oh, of course, they're going to set not long after the sun. Okay, so Venus and Saturn and then the Moon and Jupiter up in the northwest, is that all of the planets? Uh, no, so if you then turn around you'll be facing east and quite high up in the eastern sky will be the red planet Mars. Ah, oh, that's right, Mars was uh, at its closest approach just a few weeks ago, I remember that. And is it still looking big and bright and red? Yeah, it's looking fairly red and quite bright. Excellent, so those are our planets. Can you see Uranus and Neptune up there? Not from Perth, you won't be able to. So if you had a telescope and you were to look, you, they are up, but because of all the lights of Perth, you won't be able to spot Uranus. And even if we had no lights on, we can't spot Neptune with the naked eye. Oh, okay. So they are there. I've seen news reports saying that all the planets are visible in the sky, but you not without a telescope for Uranus and Neptune. Yes, that's correct. All right, good to know. And uh, what about if I was looking for maybe what's an interesting constellation that I might be able to spot this month? Well, I know that last month you and Rob spoke about finding Orion. Uh, so Orion is still up in the eastern, southeastern sky. It's easiest to spot by looking for the three bright stars of Orion's belt. And also worth noting then, Orion is actually battling off a giant bull, which we all know as Taurus. So you can look across from where you spot Orion and see if you can spot Taurus the bull. And you'll know you have the right constellation because Mars is in Taurus at the moment. Okay, so I remember Mars is just to the left of Orion when I'm looking at Orion in the sky. So Taurus is to the left of Orion as well. Yes, that's correct. And what, what does the Taurus constellation look like roughly? What, what sort of pattern of stars should I be looking for? 
So it looks kind of like a V in the night sky. You won't be able to see all the stars of Taurus again because we're in the city with all the city lights, but you should be able to spot a slight V next to Orion. Okay, a V-shaped pattern of stars next to Orion and the big bright red Mars. Yes, not to be confused with the slightly less bright red uh, star, which is Aldebaran, the big red giant of Taurus. Now, I've heard that uh, when you're outside in the night sky, you can also sometimes see satellites uh, passing overhead. How, how do you spot satellites? What am I looking for? Yeah, so satellites are going to look like tiny pinpoints of light, much like a star. However, if you stay still and watch them, you'll notice they are moving through the night sky. Of course, if the light is flashing, that's not a satellite, that is a plane. So they're lights that move through the night sky, but they won't be flashing. Okay, so moving rapidly across the sky, not flashing. And what's the best time of day? Should I stay up really late at night or when should I go and look for satellites? Oh, no, that's a great question. So the best time of day is actually just after sunset or just before sunrise if you're up that early. And the reason for that is because when you're looking at a satellite, you're not actually looking at light the satellite is giving off itself. You're looking at the sunlight that's reflecting off the satellite, just like when we see the moon. So if you wait until midnight, then the satellite is likely to be blocked by Earth. Oh, I see, right. So just after sunset, the satellite is still at the right angle to the sun, that it can still be in daylight, even though we can't see the sun, but the satellite is still exposed. Yes, exactly. Okay, and that's why we can see them. Right, and that's why you can't see them in the middle of the night. Exactly, and it's why as it gets slightly later, you might even notice that the satellite moves through half the sky and then suddenly you can't see it anymore. That's because it's passed into the Earth's shadow and is no longer being lit up by the sun. Okay, so I just need to keep an eye out. How, how, how long would I be expecting to stand there until I would be able to see a satellite? Every five or ten minutes you should see a satellite fly past. Okay, excellent. Well, that's good to know. I know what I'll be looking for uh, in, in the night sky. Is there any other special events in January that, have, that are happening? What's on the astronomical calendar? Well, on the 5th of January, we actually just passed perihelion, which is when Earth is at its closest to the Sun in its orbit. Oh, okay. So Earth's not always the same distance from the Sun. No, it does change slightly. Technically, Earth's orbit isn't a perfect circle. It's slightly elliptical. So sometimes it's slightly closer to the Sun and sometimes it's slightly further away. Oh, okay. And so on January 5th, we were at the closest. Yes. Okay. So is that what causes the seasons? Is that why it's summer? Well, that actually does make a lot of sense since we have summer here and we're close. But if you think about it, the Northern Hemisphere is currently in winter. So oh, no. yeah, it's not actually anything to do with how close we are to the sun. It's about the Earth's tilt. So Earth is on a slight tilt of about 23 degrees. And when the Southern Hemisphere is tilted towards the sun, we experience summer and the Northern Hemisphere is tilted away. And in six months time, we will be tilted away experiencing our winter and the northern hemisphere will have their summer. Okay, so it's summer right now because the southern hemisphere is tilted towards the sun and the fact that we just happen to be at the closest point to the sun right now is just a coincidence? Basically, yeah. Yeah, okay, so the, the seasons are caused by the tilt, not by our distance from the sun. Exactly. Good to know. Uh, okay, that's that's good to know. That's lots to, lots to cover. Um, is there any other big news in the world of space? What's, what's been happening outside of the night sky? What's, what's something interesting? Uh, yeah, so 2022 was a pretty big 
year for Space News. Um, the James Webb Space Telescope was finally operational after launching in December of 2021. It was able to get out there and start taking some photos. So we had the really incredible wide field uh, shots it was able to take showing distant galaxies far away. And it was also able to detect water vapour in the atmosphere of a planet outside of our solar system. So the James Webb Space Telescope had a pretty big and successful year. Uh, what else happened? Well, speaking of successes, NASA had their Artemis One mission, which launched the Orion spacecraft out into orbit around the moon. So there weren't any people on board this spacecraft, but it was a test so that in the coming years they can launch the Orion spacecraft again, hopefully with people on board, as our steps towards getting people back to the moon. Back to the moon? Yeah. yeah. When was the last time uh, people went to the moon. Yeah, so actually December of last year was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 17 mission, which was the last time humans walked on the moon. So it's been a while. 50th anniversary in 2022. So 1972 was the last time people went to the moon. Yes. Wow, that's hard to believe, isn't it? That we're just going back now. Excellent. Any other big news from 2022? Well, something a bit closer to home in Australia, NASA did launch some rockets from right here in our home country. Oh, I remember that. Was that from up in uh, the Northern Territory? Yeah, exactly. And uh, what were those launches from Australia for? Uh, so they were actually to study the ultraviolet radiation coming off of a nearby star called Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri, that's the, that's the closest star to the sun, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. It is actually visible in the night sky at the moment, quite low on the horizon in the southern sky. Alpha Centauri is more affectionately known here as one of the pointer stars. So if you have the two pointer stars that point you to the Southern Cross, Alpha Centauri is the brighter of the two. Yes, I'm familiar with looking at that star. That's great. And so why is NASA studying ultraviolet light from Alpha Centauri? Basically to compare it to the sun. So we know the sun gives off a fair amount of ultraviolet light and we've studied that in a fair amount of detail, but we actually haven't studied the ultraviolet light coming off of any of the other stars. So we want to be able to compare whether the sun is like the other stars in how much ultraviolet light it's giving off or whether it gives off more or less than is typical. Okay, and is Alpha Centauri similar to the Sun, is it? Well, Alpha Centauri is actually a three-star system and two of the stars in that system are quite similar to the Sun, yes. Although we haven't studied the ultraviolet coming off of them to know whether that is similar. And why is this study of ultraviolet light important? Oh, great question. So it's basically about looking for stars out there that might have habitable planets or planets where we could find life. And the reason for this is because scientists are proposing that the ultraviolet light that comes off the sun is what stripped away the water that once existed on Mars and Venus. So we think that if there's too much ultraviolet radiation coming off of a star, it's unlikely that any of the planets would be able to keep water, which as far as we've observed with life is needed to support life. So when we're looking for other stars out there, we might be looking to compare whether they have more or less ultraviolet radiation than our star to get an idea of whether habitable areas are more or less common. Okay, so if we were to look at a star that's giving off less ultraviolet light, there might be a higher chance that there might be habitable planets around that star? Yeah, they don't have the threat of ultraviolet light stripping away the water is the basic idea, which would then mean water could hang around on those planets and potentially then life could thrive. 
Okay, so the long-term goal is to look for habitable planets, and this is just one small building block in the, the great search for life. Exactly. We'd be looking for stars potentially with less ultraviolet than the Sun. That makes perfect sense. So they were studying ultraviolet emissions from Alpha Centauri, and uh, why were they launching from Australia? Oh, because it just has a much better vantage point of looking at Alpha Centauri. So at certain times of the year, you can spot Alpha Centauri from the Northern Hemisphere, but here in the South, we get a much better look at it. Oh, it's visible every night from Australia, isn't it? Yes. But not from, not from the United States? No. No. Oh, okay. There we go. So NASA launching from Australia to study the closest star to the sun, which is uh, visible every night in our night sky. I think that's a nice uh, poignant note, isn't it? Well, thank you for being here, Amanda. I, uh, I've really enjoyed learning about the January night sky from you. Great, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Audio Guide to the Galaxy. We'll catch you next month for the February night sky. We'll see you then. If you want more space news, go to www.scitech.org.au.